You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falado on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host of this program, Nicholas Falado, and today we are going to be breaking down the NFL drafts of the NFC South, and the AFC South. It's going to be brief little breakdowns on the philosophy and some of the selections that these specific teams made. So let's dive right into it with the NFC South and start with the Atlanta Falcons who had nine draft picks. They took a blue chip player in Kyle Pitts in the first round with the fourth pick, the highest tight end to ever be drafted out of the University of Florida. They had one second round pick and went with UCF safety Richie Grant in the third round. They went with Jalen Mayfield, the Michigan offensive lineman. They had two fourth round picks, Darren Hall, San Diego State corner, and Drew Dahlman, the Stanford center. And then they had three fifth round picks, Taquan Grant, the Texas defensive lineman, Ade Ogundiji, the Notre Dame defensive end, Avery Williams, the Boise State cornerback, a hard-nosed special teams type of player. And then in the sixth round, They went with Frank Darby out of Arizona State, the only Sun Devil to get drafted in this draft. Actually, Arizona had two draft picks, including Giants' own Gary Brightwell. So it looks like that interstate rivalry, Arizona has the one-up in the 2021 draft. But Frank Darby was a solid receiver that went down to the Senior Bowl and actually opened a lot of eyes during the practices. The game was okay, but he ended up falling to the sixth round because his testing wasn't all that good. Now, in order to efficiently evaluate this Atlanta Falcons draft, we have to acknowledge the fact that Dan Quinn, he was let go mid-season, and Raheem Morris took over the role as the interim head coach. He is now the Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator, and they bring in Arthur Smith to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He comes over from the Tennessee Titans. He was the offensive coordinator there with Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, under Mike Vrabel, in his coaching staff. So now we have Arthur Smith. He brings in Dave Ragone for his offensive coordinator and then longtime defensive coordinator Dean Pease, who has had stints with the Titans. He's been there for a while and he was also famously the New England Patriots 07 defensive coordinator who called the cover zero blitz, which led to the Plaxico Burris touchdown against Ellis Hobbs in single coverage in Super Bowl 42, where the Giants won. He's been around the league. He's been all over the place, been in Baltimore. He's been been in a lot of places. So he's well familiarized and came over with Smith from the Tennessee Titans. Now, we want to see the philosophy of this Atlanta Falcons team in this draft. I think it was imperative that they got a blue chip guy if they were not able to trade out. There was a lot of talks that a lot of teams were trying to trade up to the fourth pick to select possibly Justin Fields. I think this team, the Atlanta Falcons, should have definitely considered Fields, somebody who is from the Georgia area. That did not end up happening. So they just go with a can't-miss type of prospect, a pass catcher who can block, but that's not necessarily what he's known for. He's more of a mismatch nightmare who can execute Y responsibilities in the passing game and can also be dangerous split out in three-by-one sets as the lone receiver on the one receiver side. You can line him up in the slot. You could do so many different things with him. And now that Julio Jones is head out of town, it looks like Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley can really anchor down this weaponry for 
Arthur Smith and company. And you also got to look at just their running back position in general. They brought in Todd Gurley last year. Yeah, he had some fantasy value, but I mean, he's just, there was not a lot left on his game. So they bring in Mike Davis from Carolina and he looks like it's going to be his job. And you've got Javion Hawkins and Caleb Huntley and a couple running backs that you brought in on undrafted free agency, but there's not a lot of people to challenge Mike Davis, who I would say played really well last year in the absence of Christian McCaffrey for the Carolina Panthers. So it looks like it's going to be Davis's job to lose over there. And we know that Arthur Smith wants to run the football, have a nice play action passing attack with Matt Ryan. And they didn't go for quarterback. So you're still going to have Matt Ryan play his deal out. And like I said, doesn't look like Julio is going to be there too much longer. And I love what they did on defense here. They attack the secondaries with three different types of picks. You get Richie Grant, who can be a center fielder. He doesn't have necessarily crazy size or crazy athletic ability, but he's just a ball hawk who has great instincts. And he played really, really well down there with Aaron Robinson at UCF. Darren Hall, San Diego State cornerback. He's another one who doesn't have the great type of size, but he processes the game well. And then Avery Williams is just a really tenacious type of undersized cornerback who can really slide in and be a special teams contributor. And this Atlanta Falcons team just in general, I mean, they went out last year and drafted A.J. Terrell, and they have Isaiah Oliver as well. Fabian Moreau, they signed from the Washington football teams. They have a lot of young pieces in the secondary, but it was a big problem for them last year, and it probably still is going to be somewhat of a problem for them this year. But I think the addition of Richie Grant can kind of help stabilize this this defense, along with the additions of guys like Deron Harmon, who have a lot of ties with the New England Patriots, went over and played with Matt Patricia with Detroit, and now he's there. He can be a veteran lead, uh, leader a la Logan Ryan for that defense for the Atlanta Falcons. And then you look at some of these other additions that they made. Jalen Mayfield has some good tape. I don't really think he's going to be a tackle in the league. He tested really, really poorly. They get him in the third round. Some people had first round buzz on him. I never saw that, but he was a redshirt sophomore coming out of Michigan, who I do believe can overcome the fact that he had that bad combine that bad testing whatever the hell you want to call it but Jalen Mayfield has the tape he is very very young and I think he can be developed in this system and be a solid contributor possibly in year one I think Drew Dahlman who that who the Falcons drafted in the fourth round is somebody else at a Stanford very very smart knows how to use his hands he has a powerful base and he's pretty good at anchoring as well six foot three around 300 pounds a little bit undersized but a really really savvy and smart type of player I think that was a solid pick as you look at this Falcons offensive line and they really tried to revamp it in the 2019 draft when they selected Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College and Caleb McGarry as well both in the first round Caleb McGarry coming out of the University of Washington and didn't necessarily result in a great offensive line quite yet in 2020 it still was somewhat unstable they drafted Matt Hennessy the center at a temple I don't think Drew Dahlman and that was in 2020 I don't think Drew Dahlman's gonna unseat him but I think he's a quality depth option who's probably only going to be a center but Matt Hennessy may have some positional flexibility to move to either guard spot and then maybe that can help the guard position right now with Willie Wright as the projected starter at left guard. So that's something that they can kind of look into. And then just adding Kyle Pitts gives a pretty nice 12-13 personnel package that's going to include Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. And then they also have Lee Smith, who's one of the best blocking tight ends if you want to run 13 to run the football off of it. And Kyle Pitts is such a mismatch nightmare. You can catch a defense and base personnel. Hayden Hurst is also a pretty darn good athlete too. So I think Arthur Smith has some nice things to work with. This roster in general isn't quite there. Is not a, uh, 
I would say a playoff contending roster right now, especially with the Saints and the Buccaneers in their division. But still, overall, I think it was a solid overall draft. Even guys like Taquan Graham and Ad Ogundigi are solid depth type of options that can kind of slide in and earn snaps on this defensive line that doesn't necessarily have a lot of talent along with it. And Grady Jarrett, he's getting a little bit older now, fifth round pick back in 2015, who had played really really good football for a while so i think a lot of these guys can earn some snaps here and overall i think the draft was solid but you always wonder if they did trade out of that fourth pick what would they have gotten how much 2022 capital would they have earned and that would have really helped them replenish this roster now that they have a different general manager a different coach and a totally different philosophy but moving on to the carolina panthers so the carolina panthers they Still have Matt Rule, still have Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator head coach. And they went and they want to run, looks like, more man coverage type of concepts. That looks like what they want to do because they drafted J.C. Horn, South Carolina cornerback, who's a press man corner, one of the better cover corners coming out of the draft, arguably the best cover corner coming out of the draft. They drafted him at eight overall. And in the second round, they get Terrace Marshall Jr., the LSU wide receiver. Two third round picks. They go with Brady Christensen, the BYU offensive tackle. Tommy Tremble, the Notre Dame H-back tight end. Fourth round pick, Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State running back. Two fifth round picks, Davion Nixon, the Iowa defensive tackle, and Keith Taylor, the Washington cornerback. Three sixth round picks, Deontay Brown, Alabama offensive guard, Shy Smith, South Carolina wide receiver, and Thomas Fletcher, the Alabama long snapper. And then one seventh round pick, Phil Hoskins, uh, Kentucky defensive tackle. I don't have much on him, but overall, this is a lot, a lot of draft capital invested into a young roster where last year Matt Rule's first year let's not forget he spent all of his picks on the defense every single pick was on the defense in last year's draft and you know what the defense stepped up and they were a little bit better this year but now you end up getting that lockdown corner to play opposite of Dante Jackson who is somebody you drafted in the second round out of LSU in 2018 and you still have Jeremy Chin who had a really really good season you drafted him last year in the second round as well so i i like the fact that they they saw jc horn and they said you know what we run a lot of zone coverages that might not be the best thing that jc horn does but maybe we want to transition to more man coverage based defense allow these young pass rushers like eter gross mottos Derek brown who's an interior guy who can create some pressure they drafted him in the first round out of auburn in 2020 brian burns one of the more underrated pass rushers in the league allow those guys to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback and you look at them on the offensive side of the ball i mean there was a lot of focus there now you have sam darnold as your starting quarterback and you did not go out and draft somebody to challenge him. So you have Will Greer, who you drafted in the third round, 2019. P.J. Walker, the kid from the XFL, the yards leader in 2020, Jersey product from Elizabeth. So it's going to be Sam Darnold's job. And what did you do? You have Robbie Anderson. They have a rapport already. You have D.J. Moore. Curtis Samuel walked out the door, but you replaced him with Terrace Marshall, somebody who can line up in the slot, somebody who is fast, somebody who has speed, who is tall as well he's like six foot four so Terrence Marshall like he had some injury concerns which you got him at the end of the second round that is well worth the bang for the buck if you ask me and I think a lot of this also this draft relies on or just lies on Brady Christians in the BYU offensive tackle how effective is he going to be because you have Taylor Moten who's going to be your right tackle and then Greg Little the Auburn kid they drafted in the second round 2019 has not lived up to it right now you bring in Cam Urban he's not going to be it so can Brady Christensen a lot of people like Brandon Thorne a lot of people that I like and trust in the evaluation game of offensive line really like Brady Christensen and I never got around to his film I didn't really get to watch a lot of BYU offense to be honest I think I only saw one game and crossed 
cross-check when I was watching a defensive player on another team. But if he can step up and be that solid right tackle or left tackle if they want to move Moten around, that could be a really good pick early in the third round by this regime. And then Tommy Tremble, I look at him, somebody out of Notre Dame, he's a tough kid, wasn't really utilized all that much as a receiver, but I think he has the ability to be a receiver, and he's also an excellent move type of blocker. Put him at H-back. I think he'd be great in the Caden Smith role in Jason Garrett's offense, but that's just another tough type of pick from Matt Rule, somebody who obviously relies a lot on that, and you look at this kind of offense right here. You bring in Dan Arnold, who is a big receiver, tight receiving tight end, not necessarily somebody who is overly tough in the trenches. You have Ian Thomas, who is marginal, I guess, at everything, but not really great at anything. Maybe I could say adequate, because that marginal is a little bit disrespectful. Tommy Tremble can earn snaps over Ian Thomas, especially as a blocker, whereas Dan Arnold can just be used as a red zone threat, a deep threat. He was used in a lot of those air raid type of concepts that Cliff Kingsbury runs, but he's not necessarily a blocker, or at least he wasn't. And then Chuba Hubbard. Now, look, Christian McCaffrey was hurt like all last season, and they have Reggie Bonifan, and they have Trenton Cannon, who's more of a scat type of back. Chuba Hubbard, if he came out of college in 2019, he might have found himself somewhere in the second round. He ends up falling to the fourth round because his 2020 wasn't that great of a season, but he had a really productive 2019. So that's somebody to pay attention to if Christian McCaffrey cannot stay healthy. And then Davion Nixon is just a heavy-handed type of defensive lineman. He's 6'3", 313 pounds, good run defender, keeps his chest clean, can shed blocks, has some upside as a pass rusher from the interior. You play him next to someone like Derek Brown and we're talking about some dangerous type of interior pressure that can actually get after it. I'd say if you don't want to sell out for a pass and it's a second and four, second and five, and it might not be a running down. It could be a play action. You want to create some interior pressure. Davion Nixon, Derek Brown are, is a good combination in the interior parts of your defense. Keith Taylor, long type of cornerback who has some fluidity, went down to the senior bowl, has some good tape from the University of Washington. He's six foot two. He actually has some good speed too. I think that was a really, really good pick by them in the fifth round as well. And then the sixth round picks and seventh round pick, I don't have much on Thomas Fletcher or Phil Hoskins, but Shai Smith was a darling down at the senior bowl. He could be a good slot receiver who can possibly rotate and earn some snaps. And then Deontay Brown is just a road grader, more of a play side gap power type of guy. Not somebody you really want pulling, not somebody who may excel in zone concepts, but definitely on the play side of power gap concepts, he could step in there. But he's again, a six round pick. This offensive line isn't necessarily all that great. So can he realistically earn snaps? Maybe, but I think injuries may have to happen. He's going to be competing with Dennis Daly for one of those guard spots since they signed Pat Elfline and they have Matt Paradis to play the other two interior positions. I think those guys will probably anchor those positions down. But I think overall, I really, I kind of like this draft. You end up getting Patty Fisher in the undrafted free agent, somebody who struggles with his I would say athletic ability, but he's an ultimate processor and was so productive at Northwestern. So that's for Pat Fitzgerald. So that's something that I feel like could be interesting. But overall, I look at this team in general. I mean, this offseason, they added Asan Reddick, somebody that Matt Rule helped recruit at Temple. And you, you look at this defense, I think it could be coming along, but the division is still going to be dominated to me by the Saints and by Tampa Bay. But this is the one team that I'd say you watch out for them because I think Joe Brady, we know what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU back in 2019. He gets reunited with Terrace Marshall. You have Sam Darnold, who is a lot more exciting to me, even though he hasn't necessarily proven, but a lot more exciting to me than someone like a Teddy Bridgewater. So I think this could be a, a 
a team to watch out for, a team that may surprise you. That's I think that's a fair thing to say. But let's move on to the Saints, who had a unique draft, I would say, because they kind of surprised a lot of people and went with Peyton Turner, the Houston defensive end. And honestly, before I go into all these other picks, I like this pick because I would say this, this guy, he was a top five edge of mine, and he just has unique movement skills. He's not overly developed quite yet but when you're six foot six 270 pounds and you can move you can teach all those other things and he has some really really unique reps in his tape as well and I think this was a high upside pick for a team that usually has really good pass rushers I mean you look at the Saints last year they drafted Zach Bond out of Wisconsin and he barely saw the field because they have Cameron Jordan they have Marcus Davenport they had the Trey Hendrickson who ends up leaving and going to the Cincinnati Bengals they have David Onyemata who's a little bit more of an inside type of individual and now you bring in Peyton Turner you still have Carl Granderson on the roster and you have Zach Bond I think there's just a lot of a lot of people that you can kind of insert into this lineup and rotate them on third down and in passing situations, bringing Tano Passanio from the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I just like what they they did focusing on their defense and ensuring that their defense isn't going to get old and be overpaid and they have players who can step in when this when the defenders end up, you know, having that attrition catch up to them. And I think adding Pete Warner in the second round kind of also speaks to this because let's be honest here. This team, the New Orleans Saints, has had linebackers recently. They've had Demario Davis. They had the kid from Florida, Alex Anzalone, who's no longer there. Thawne is somebody who can possibly handle some linebacking, even though he's more of a pin your ears back and rush the passer type of guy. But Pete Warner, adding him to this group, I think is a very, very smart addition in the second round out of Ohio State because... You know, not a lot of people talk about Pete Warner, but he's a pretty darn good football player. He's instinctive. He actually has pretty good athletic ability, closing burst. He's powerful at the point of attack. I think he's somebody who's been a little bit slept on throughout this process because he was playing next to Baron Browning. And Baron Browning was an athletic, built up to be this athletic, crazy five-star recruit. I don't even feel like he lived up to his potential, but he's still a solid option. But Pete Warner ended up going much well before he did. And I think Warner is somebody who possibly could play three downs because I think he can execute zone coverage concepts. He can play man a little bit, I would say, even though it's not his strength. But he's definitely good coming downhill. He's good on the blitz. He was used that way as an Ohio State linebacker. So I think that's a really solid pick for them in the second round that not a lot of people are talking about. And they go in to get Paulson Adebo in the third round. And I think that's an upgrade as of right now. I know he can get a little bit grabby. We didn't see him in 2020, but it still might be an upgrade over... Janoris Jenkins, who they had playing as their cornerback last year. So you have Marshawn Latimer, you have Patrick Robinson, who gets dinged up a little bit. Now you have Paulson Adebo, who we don't know all that much about, but his 2018 tape was so good. His 2019 tape was a little rocky, and then he opted out of 2020. But I think it could be a low-key type of addition, high upside type of pick. Let him kind of come in and develop under Dennis Allen, who's a really good defensive coordinator. So I don't mind that either. Then they go with Ian Book, Notre Dame quarterback, Landon Young, Kentucky offensive tackle, and Kawan Baker, the South Alabama wide receiver. Kawan Baker has good size, six foot one, 215 pounds, long arms, good catch radius, more vertical threat type of guy who wins in contested catches but we I'm not sure if he can create separation at an adequate enough level to sustain himself in the NFL I haven't watched any Landon Young to be honest and then we all know Ian Book 
Ian Book was a winner at Notre Dame, but does he have the consistent accuracy to make it in the NFL? He doesn't really have the size. He's only six foot, about 210 pounds. He really does well extending plays and using his athletic ability to buy time in the pocket, and he does well feeling pressure on the backside. Does all those things well, but I just think the accuracy is going to be an issue for Ian Book throughout his career. Alrighty, let's go to the last team in the NFC South, and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you know, Super Bowl champions. They have Todd Bowles as their defense coordinator, retained Byron Leftwich, still have Bruce Arians as their head coach, and of course they got Tom Brady. And you know what? They kept Shaq Barrett. They have JPP. Doesn't matter. They're gonna go with the pass rusher and keep these pass rushers young. That's what won them that Super Bowl because I mean, Pat Mahomes just couldn't do anything because the pass rusher was just on top of him the entire time. So they go with Joe Tryon out of the University of Washington. He's six foot five, 259 pounds. of all the athletic ability, the first step, the long arms. Kind of reminds me of Montez Sweat, if I'm going to be honest. But opted out of that 2020 year. Can definitely still kind of develop pass rush moves, pass rush counters, ability to put those moves together to put himself in an optimal position. I think he can develop all that, but what a place to develop it than with Todd Bowles, one of the best defensive coaches, with guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, who's a two-time Super Bowl champ for two different teams. They, I mean, they got leaders like Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Devin White, Vita Vea, Dominican Sue, William Golston, who's been there forever. I mean, it's, it's a good situation for Joe Tryon to land in, so I really like that addition for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they went with Kyle Trask in the second round. And I think this is the perfect place for Trask. He's six foot five, 230 pounds, has pretty good athletic ability as well, can move in the pocket, can also rush, lowers his shoulder, can move some bodies in that area. And he actually has solid deep accuracy. I mean, he's somebody who had Kadarius Tony, had Kyle Pitts, but you watch him play and you see you see a glimmer of hope there. And I think going to a team with Tom Brady is going to be a, a solid place for him to land, kind of try to help develop. I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be the long-term type of fixture there with Bruce Arians, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with Tom Brady wanting to play just, I don't even know how many years. But I think Kyle Trask is still somebody that, hey, it's the second round. Our roster is bountiful. And if Bruce Arians likes this guy, if he likes his arm strength, which isn't, I wouldn't say great, to be honest, why not bring them in at the end of the second round? So I could see where they were thinking there. Let's see if it ends up working. He may not even see the field in the next couple of years, to be honest. And then in the third round, they go with Robert Hainsey, Notre Dame offensive tackle, fourth round, Jalen Darn, North Texas wide receiver, fifth round, KJ Britt, Auburn inside linebacker, and then two seventh round picks, Chris Wilcox, BYU cornerback, who I don't know much about, and then Grant Stewart, the Houston outs linebacker who was Mr. Irrelevant. I love this Robert Hainsey pick in the third round. Just add depth to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line that has a lot of guys that they selected in that you know second, third round range who end up just developing for them. Obviously, they got Tristan Wirfs in the first round last year, but they got Donovan Smith in the second round back in 2015. They got Mar- Ali Marpet back in the second round 2015. Alex Kappa in the third round of 2018. They bring in Ryan Jensen from Baltimore. So they really kind of developed the really nice young core offensive line and they really held up well with Tom Brady and obviously Brady gets the football out of his hand so quickly and they have Rob Gronkowski one of the better blocking tight ends in pass pro and in the run when they do keep him in for pass protection but this is just a a good offensive line a good unit and just a really really good roster so adding Robert Hainsey somebody who can play tackle can play guard for you showed that down at the senior bowl I think that's a wise move for a team that obviously Jason Light put together a really good roster Tom Brady complimented all that and ended up getting him to the promised land of a Super Bowl I think that's a uh, smart move overall for 
for Tampa Bay to, to just continue to add to just the offensive line in general, the trenches, and even bring in guys like Jalen Darden, a North Texas wide receiver. He really, really undersized, but he was just so fast and so incredible at his small level of football that he, I think he had like 31 touchdowns in his last two years at North Texas was just insane. And he's somebody you can line up in the slot. He's going to really stress defenses if he just runs up the slot and then you have deep digs from Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. There's a lot of different things you can do if you insert speed. We saw that last year with Scotty Miller, who was really, really fast for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is somebody who can kind of compete with Scotty Miller, maybe earn some snaps. I think that's wise. KJ Bray, he's kind of a throwback type of inside linebacker, the kid from Auburn, somebody you can kind of have developed behind Levante David, have developed behind Devin White, but he doesn't necessarily have the athletic ability, I don't think, to see the field at least early on in year one, but I do believe he possibly can see some special teams work. And then Grant Stewart is somebody who's going to be a special teams guy and the coaching staff is going to fall in love with him because he runs around like his long hair because he has long locks, like they're just on fire and he just tries his backside off every snap so he's somebody that i think could be fun to watch but probably will never see the defense but be be a special teams player for sure Alrighty. so before i get into the afc south let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors there's really no other way to say it, but the houston texans are in turmoil right now and nick casario is just in a bad place his first year as a general manager of the houston texans his quarterback has a lot of legal things going on right now and he also doesn't want to play for the Houston Texans and you bring in David Culley to be your head coach Lovey Smith's your defensive coordinator there is no offensive coordinator as of right now and it just does not seem like a winning type of situation it seems pretty bleak to be honest and you didn't have any picks because Bill O'Brien traded all your picks so the Texans first pick was the third pick of the third round and they went with Davis Mills the Stanford quarterback and I don't know if this ties them in and if they're going to have any sort of long-term ideas that this guy could be it and they're probably going to have the first overall pick next year. I don't know if this Davis Mills type of selection is going to preclude them from selecting someone with the first overall pick next year and just selecting him out of Stanford. He's a solid quarterback option from everything that I've seen, but selecting him, it, it seems like the Texans should know, and I know you should never really look at situations in this manner, but the Texans have to know that they're going to be picking in the top three next year, that they're not going to be that competitive of a squad this year because they don't have that many good players because Bill O'Brien did such a poor job replenishing the roster and traded so many assets away for guys like Laramie Tunsil and Brandon Cooks and some of these other types of higher profile acquisitions that he performed. So this it's going to be a rough couple years for the Houston Texans, but using your third overall pick on Davis or your third round pick, the third pick in the third round on Davis Mills, I don't want to say it's a throwaway because you're probably going to want to go with the number one quarterback on your board next year because you're going to have an opportunity to get the best quarterback coming out of college. And selecting Davis Mills now, I mean, yeah, he could be the backup to that guy, but you must really think highly of him. And maybe you think, hey, you know what, we'll just go with the Kavon Thibodeau, the pass rusher from Oregon next year, if we're picking that high, and we'll let Davis Mills do his thing. Maybe that's what they're thinking, but 
a year from now, we may be looking at them select a quarterback and just be like, oh, wow, that third-round pick of Davis Mills really didn't amount to much except for a mediocre season behind a bad team, and he never really got a shot to prove himself either. It's just something to kind of consider, but they go with Davis Mills, an interesting selection for sure. And then Nico Collins, the wide receiver out of Michigan, I actually like this pick. I think Nico Collins is a good vertical type of threat. He has good linear explosiveness, linear athletic ability, not as great with his horizontal cuts. You know, he has to develop a little bit better feel for how to run routes but he's six foot four 215 pounds had a good senior bowl did not play in 2020 but getting him in the third round for the houston texans i feel like that's a a win for them because they need some talent at the wide receiver position after losing will fuller and after losing deandre hopkins they have randall cobb they have brandon cooks but there's a lot of just eh type of guys on their roster right now and then brevin jordan in the fifth round miami tight end he's an athletic type of move tight end who can be an offensive weapons not going to help that much as a blocker garrett wallow tcu inside linebacker in the sixth round they went with ray lopez the arizona defensive tackle that second arizona product that was selected along with gary brightwell and he's somebody who just plays with a a low pad level He's so six foot two, three hundred and four pounds. So he's not overly short, but he does a good job using his leverage. Has good upper body strength, but I don't know what you're gonna necessarily get from him as a pass rusher. And he's not really great enough with his anchoring ability to be a two gapping type of defensive tackle. So you're looking at somebody who can probably step in in a four three type of front four down front, play one technique on early downs has solid upfield burst but not somebody who is great at penetrating upfield so as a three technique i think you could probably do better than someone like lopez but overall this draft and i don't really have much on garrett wallow to be on overall this draft they didn't have a lot of capital so it's not that great of a draft you know you can sit there and you can rip it apart but there wasn't that much that the texans could work with with two third round picks two fifth round picks and a sixth round pick and getting davis mills with your first pick I mean, yes, you're going to need a quarterback because it looks like Deshaun Watson, even if the legal stuff is cleared up, isn't going to play for the Houston Texans. You need a quarterback, but next year they're probably going to be picking in the top two, if not the first overall. So they're going to have their pick at whoever they want. So is Davis Mills actually going to be guy then? If he is, hey, it's all well and good. But if not, then is that a wasted pick? I guess it depends on how you look at it. But let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts, they really focused on getting defensive ends because their first two pick was defensive end they went with quitty pay the michigan defensive end and then dio odayingbo and then on day three they went with kalen granson the smu tight end in the fourth round sean davis florida safety in the fifth round sixth round that was sam ellinger texas quarterback and then two seventh round picks mike Strachan, the Charleston wide receiver and then will fries the penn state offensive tackle so first quitty pay falling to them at pick 21 is 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 a good value for the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of people thought the Giants were going to end up going with someone like Quiddy Pay. I see someone who has pass rushing upside, good athletic ability, uses his hands well, doesn't have the elite explosiveness that that I want to see and the ability to bend around the edge, but I think he does a good job using his power. Now, I want to see him convert speed to power in a more consistent manner i think he left a lot of meat on the bone at michigan but i do believe that matt eberflus one of the better young defensive coaches in this league he's a defensive coordinator under frank reich i think he can kind of get the most adequate pay and he's playing next to deforest buckner he has veterans like taekwon lewis on the team so and then you have kamoko Ture who just needs to stay healthy so I think Quidipe is going to see a lot of snaps early, and I think that Ben Banagoo and Isaac Rochelle, all those types of 
defensive linemen that the Colts have, I think they're going to be rotated in. I think Quiddy Pay, being the sound run defender that he is, being the person who maintains the continuity of the defense, can set the edge, can slant inside, is good on stunts. I think he's going to earn a lot of snaps early on. He's a first-round pick. He deserves to. And then Dayo Odenyingbo, coming from Vanderbilt, look, it's unfortunate he tore his Achilles pre-draft when he was just working out, so he's not going to necessarily see the field quite yet obviously and I, I may have saw a report that he could possibly be ready by the very very end of the season I think that is just very very tough for a torn Achilles it's a really really hard injury to kind of overcome but there's a reason the Colts went after this guy and this guy fits Chris Ballard's just prototype of defensive line they, they love long long players that's why they got DeForest Buckner and Odeyengbo he has 35 and one fourth inch arms 10 and a half 10 and 1 8 inch hands and 86 and 3 8 inch wingspan which is 98th percentile his arm length is 93rd percentile he's six foot five 276 pounds he fits every metric that ballard is looking for to build this indianapolis colts team and to help matt eberflus and you put him next to deforest buckner and you're talking about two guys with just incredibly long arms good luck guards and tackles getting your hands inside and establishing at the point of attack it's going to be very very difficult for them when you have those types of dudes and then you have Darius Leonard who is their linebacker who's just insanely long has really closes just throwing windows with his length so you're talking about a really difficult defense to kind of go up against when these types of players have just insane length, insane power, and ability to convert speed to power with Odin Yangbo showed a little bit at Vanderbilt. Kylan Granson, the SMU tight end, I don't I didn't see too much film on him, but from what I've heard, Chris Ballard has came out and said that he believes he can get on the field early, and that says a lot because we know the Colts, Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, are very comfortable in 12-13 personnel type of packages, and we saw it a lot last year as well. They had Jack Doyle, they had Mo Cox, they had the Philly special guy, Trey Burton. Now, he's no longer there, but you still have Mo Cox, you still have Jack Doyle, now you add Kyle Granson into the equation, and I think he's going to see the field pretty early, and you may see him catch a touchdown here and there Sean Davis the safety from Florida now he's not all that big he has solid girth to him and I believe he's pretty good in run support coming up he's very very physical at the point of attack but he doesn't take the best angles to be honest and he's not the rangiest type of safety so fifth round I guess that's it's fair for where he went but he was somebody that underwhelmed a little bit at the senior bowl and wasn't all that consistent i would say at florida has had some bad tape out there but then run support he was pretty solid and then sam ellinger was somebody who was a winner at texas doesn't really have the size or the arm strength to really do what he needs to to be a great nfl type of quarterback or even a starting quarterback he he, i don't think he's going to be anything more than like a brian hoyer in the league he has the processing he has the pocket presence can maneuver the pocket pretty well as a solid athlete but ball placement is a huge thing and it's just not really there for ellinger and i don't really have much on stretching or fries to be frank so let's move on to the jacksonville jaguars now they had trevor lawrence we all that's been over well well and good first round first overall pick clemson quarterback and then they went with the clemson running back 
at pick 25 with Travis Etienne. They had two second-round picks, Tyson Campbell, Georgia cornerback, Walker Little, Stanford offensive tackle. Third round, they go with Andre Sisco, the Syracuse safety. Fourth round, they go with Jay Tufeli, the USC defensive tackle, and Jordan Smith, the UAB defensive end, outside linebacker. Fifth round, they go with Luke Farrell, Ohio State tight end. And then sixth round, they go with Jalen Camp, the Georgia Tech wide receiver. Now, Lawrence, we all, that's been beaten down we all have analyzed that he's going to be the future of this franchise and good for him that he was able to land with a good offensive coach in urban meyer let's see if it actually works in jacksonville for the first time in a long time and then his teammate is added running back travis etn looks like urban meyer really wanted to find a versatile type of player who can run routes who can take handoffs because he even came out and said that Kadarius tony was going to be the pick if the giants didn't select him he wanted Kadarius tony now, they have somebody like LaVisca Chenault on that roster already, but he really viewed Kadarius Tony as somebody who could execute a lot of the roles that he envisions his offense having for one of these skilled types of players. And they end up going with Travis Etienne. They have James Robinson, the undrafted kid who balled out last year, but they end up going with Etienne and all the OTAs have shown that he's been used a lot for whatever that's worth as a receiver, but we expected that to happen anyways. It's going to be a comfortability thing for Trevor Lawrence as well. ETN came along very nicely as a pass catcher at Clemson. So, I mean, a running back in the first round isn't necessarily my favorite thing to do, and he doesn't have the vertical type of ability of a Kadarius Tony, but he will add a specific element of explosiveness and pass catching ability to this offense, and that's going to be needed. Hey, it also will probably make Trevor Lawrence a little bit more comfortable to have his buddy from Clemson there too. And then we have Tyson Campbell. Now he's a raw type of cornerback who I feel like has all the man coverage skills. He went to the University of Georgia, but when the ball is in the air, he's not that great. He's not that great at locating the ball, getting his eyes up and knocking it away. I think he can improve from that, but he has everything else. So as long as that can be taught to him by this Jacksonville team, by Joe Cullen, by Urban Meyer, then I think they got somebody who can play man coverage and can execute a lot of assignments that this Jacksonville defense is going to want him to execute. And if you look at this Jacksonville team, I mean, they drafted C.J. Henderson, a man cover corner at the University of Florida in the first round last year, but he doesn't really like run support all that much. Tyson Campbell will get dirty in terms of run support, so I'm not scared of that. But they also have Sidney Jones, who's been playing really well for them, and Shaquille Griffin they signed in free agency. So they got a lot of cornerbacks there. They're prioritizing pass coverage, which a lot of good football teams are doing right now. So it makes sense from that standpoint. Walker Little, this is their second second round pick, their fourth pick in the draft. Now, Walker Little had great 2018 tape. And then he tore his ACL in 2019, first game of the season. That tape was excellent as well. Haven't seen him since. Did not play in 2020. So this is a high upside pick. He's a five-star guy. Urban Meyer is a college football coach who likes to go after a lot of five-star guys because Tyson Campbell, five-star guy. Trevor Lawrence, five-star guy. Travis Etienne, five-star guy. Walker Little five-star guy went to the university of stanford and look i'm i can't really speak to how healthy he is or his development or any of those things because we haven't seen his tape in quite a while all i know is the upside is high here but there is a downside and the downside is he's not going to be available and he's not going to be on the football team and you look at this jacksonville jaguar offense right here cam robinson's looking like he's going to still be that left tackle you have Jawan taylor who was the second round pick in 2019 robinson the second round pick in 2017 those are going to be your tackles walker little can learn behind those two until he's ready to step in and i think that's not a terrible situation for him but were there better options there for the jacksonville jaguars at pick 13 in the second round possibly love the andre cisco pick the kid out of syracuse ball hawk big physical 
just Adonis type of character who comes downhill, can stick you, has the range, can play single high center field, has good ball skills. I think that's a really good addition to this defense, to be honest. And they have Rudy Ford, they have Andrew Wingard, they have Daniel Thomas, but I think Andre Cisco, if he's healthy, can see snaps early on. And I think that's a really nice selection for Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke. Jay Tufeli, Jordan Smith, I think Tufeli is somebody who... Look, he went to USC, six foot two, three hundred and five pounds, quick hand type of guy, really, really good motor, does well keeping his chest clean, may not offer all that much as a pass rusher right now, and doesn't necessarily have the pass rushing moves, but he's somebody who can anchor down one-on-one type of blocks, can give you maybe some production on twists and stunts, especially as the penetrator in that situation. So Jay Tufeli, that's a solid pick there. Is the I think it was the first pick of day three because he was the first pick in the fourth round. Jordan Smith, I like this selection, to be honest. Versatile outside linebacker, linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to classify him as. Incredibly long arm, 6'6", 264 pounds. Went down to the Senior Bowl. Showed the ability to execute a lot of different assignments down there. He's a tough guy. He has some really good pass rushing reps on tape, but it's just not consistent quite yet. But adding these types of players to this defense, I think, is a wise move. And then you can kind of just try to groom them and have them play snaps here and there and see what you got to get out of him and I think Jordan Smith somebody who has upside and then Farrell and Camp Farrell is tight end Ohio State you knew where Meyer was going to go after an Ohio State type of guy he's more of a blocker than a pass catcher six foot six 251 pounds he's probably going to be a special teams guy may crack the roster because of his special teams and his ability to kind of come in on 12 personnel packages and seal the edge he was in the fifth round and then Jalen Camp the Georgia Tech wide receiver just has a lot of size has good top end speed has all the raw traits you want from a wide receiver but just needs a lot of development in his ability to create separation how to set up his routes and how to actually run his routes but the athletic ability is there the vertical ability is there and the size is there Alrighty, so let's transition to the last team we're going to go over the tennessee titans and they went with caleb farley in the first round at pick 22 caleb farley a lot of people were talking about as a universal top 15 pick he ends up falling out of that because of back injuries and many other injuries he opted out of 2020 as well so there were a lot of question marks about how serious those back injuries were for caleb farley out of virginia tech and you know that they do not have a dory jackson anymore and they needed a lot of help sharing up that secondary now caleb farley has all the athletic ability all the movement skills all the fluidity that you want in a cornerback but how healthy is he i think that's going to be the big question mark because I still don't like this secondary, even though they added Caleb Farley, because you have Kevin Johnson, who's been dinged up his entire career. They signed Janoris Jenkins. What are you actually getting out of Janoris Jenkins at this point in his career? They got Brady Breeze in the sixth round, who the kid from Oregon, what exactly are you going to get out of him at the cornerback position? And then Christian Fulton, who I believe is going to start opposite of Caleb Farley. I'd like the combination of Farley and Fulton, but that's still a really, really young group Fulton was drafted in the second round back in 2020 so I still think this secondary can be attacked but let's go over some of these other picks second round they went with Dylan Radons North Dakota State offensive tackle third round Monty Rice Georgia inside linebacker thought it was a little early for him but I did like Monty Rice Elijah Molden Washington cornerback love that pick in the third round one of the better slot defenders Des Fitzpatrick Louisville wide receiver in the fourth round along with Rashad Weaver in the fourth round Pittsburgh defensive end and then Racy McMath in the sixth round LSU wide receiver Brady Breeze Oregon safety cornerback 
more of a safety though in the sixth round as well Ray Duns is versatile he played offensive tackle I didn't think he was dynamic at North Dakota State but he was solid and I think he can kick inside which he showed at the senior bully six foot six 301 pounds has all the athletic ability that you want I think he can do a little bit better job with his hands and kind of getting his hands inside and he does a solid job framing his blocks I should say but he I think he just can still get a little bit stronger he didn't dominate at a lower level at the FCS level which does concern me a little bit when I heard first round talk for Riddons I thought that was a little ridiculous but here in the second round it's not terrible they swung and they missed brutally on Isaiah Wilson who they drafted in the first round out of Georgia last year and Riddons is going to be a more reliable asset than that and he can probably beat out Kendall Lamb with that right tackle spot but they still have Taylor Luan on the left side at left tackle this offensive line isn't getting much younger I think Redunds can kind of infuse a little bit more talent there I don't think he's going to be as dynamic as Jack Conkling as a run defender but I think he can be solid enough on the right side of the offensive line if he's asked to perform that task in year one but it's not a to me, I think it's a, a solid player, but somebody who doesn't have a ton of upside. Monty Rice is another solid type of player. Third round, he's a good open field tackler. I didn't think the processing was was great from him from what I saw, but I think he can be a great special teamer. And I do believe that he doesn't even have to start this year, so he can kind of learn the mental aspect of everything behind Rashawn Evans and behind Jayon Brown. And I don't think they have to necessarily rely on him, which is going to be great because he can learn like I said all everything that he needs to learn and then he can come in if they decide not to re-sign Rashawn Evans and he could start in 2022 so from that standpoint I think it's actually a pretty solid addition from the Tennessee Titans from Mike Vrabel Todd Downing Shane Bowen their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinators respectively so let's move on from Monty Rice Elijah Molden like I said love that addition Tennessee has been trying to find somebody to lock down that slot for a while they traded for Desmond King last year and I thought Desmond King was solid but they didn't retain him so now you can bring Molden in and I think he can slide right in and play that role with Dane Crookshank who they like dropping down into the box he's a safe they drafted out of Arizona back in 2018 the fifth round so I think just getting Elijah Molden was a wise move and I think getting him at the third round is just a really really smooth kind of selection for them because I thought he was going to be selected honestly you know early in the third round or late in the second round I know he's not a boundary guy but he brings the smarts he brings the physicality in the run game and that's what a lot of teams are looking for Des Fitzpatrick the Louisville wide receiver has the size has solid speed he does really good job sinking his hips getting in and out of breaks and they needed to find somebody that can replace Corey Davis who left for the New York Jets and I know they went out and they signed Josh Reynolds from the Los Angeles Rams but now you have AJ Brown Josh Reynolds you can insert Des Fitzpatrick you still have Chester Rogers who you signed over from the Colts and then you have Nick Westbrook Akeen I believe is how he says his second name there so I I don't mind that pick at all in the fourth round because Fitzpatrick has a lot of intriguing qualities as a wide receiver Rashad Weaver is a hard-working competitively tough player who I don't believe has the athletic athletic ability to be a consistent pass rusher although he does a good job unlocking his power he got hurt in college wasn't necessarily the same player from an athletic standpoint when he came back but he does have some ability to convert speed to power has very very long arms and I believe he can probably earn some situational snaps as the season progresses behind Harold Landry Danico Autry and this pretty solid it's pretty solid front I will say with Jeffrey Simmons and some of these other guys but it may only be in passing situations and then Racy McMath was a senior bowl guy 
six foot three, 211 pounds, didn't really do all that much at the University of Louisiana, LSU. But he can step in and be a special teamer along with Brady Breeze, who they got in the sixth round. Alrighty, everybody, that was the NFC South and the AFC South. And I am Nicholas Filato. This was Filato on Football. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast wherever you get podcasts. And check us out at Big Blue View. We always have quality content going on there and through the summer. A bunch of us will be writing articles that are geared a little bit more towards education before we really start grinding towards the season. And then we'll be the best site out there covering the New York football giants. So please go over there and check us out. Everyone take care, be safe, and have a lovely, lovely day. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.